0: Hi, I'm Scott Curtis, and this is Pod Around and Find Out. It's a podcast. You listen to it. Welcome back to Pod Around and Find Out. I am on today with an old, old friend uh, we uh, we used to work at Wendy's together. Wendy's the the restaurant that has the bacon nader, used to have the big Dave's deluxe and you know the square hamburgers. So we any moons ago we used to work together and was probably one of the funnest times I had working in my life and and then we uh, stayed friends afterwards and did all kinds of fun stuff and now he's in fremont indiana and i'm in huntsville alabama and i when i started putting this podcast together i just wanted to reach out to people that i knew back in the day and drew's was the first name that came up so i am stoked to talk to drew keyspert who is a old indiana guy been living in indiana for a long time got into the teaching profession as a young man and was a substitute teacher in the Goshen schools for a long time, and then finally got a a full-time teaching job in Fremont, what, like
1: 20 years ago or something like that? No, it's, I was actually talking to my uncle about this yesterday, 24 years now, I've been in Fremont. Wow. It doesn't feel, I don't feel that old, even though I look that old now. Yeah. I don't feel, I still feel young and spry, yeah. Other than just a moment ago, we were talking about how tired we were. So. Yeah. <laughs> and and for me, that,
0: that's just part of the day. That's just, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> the way you go to bed that way and everything in between.
1: I have all the energy in the world as long as I have a nap.
0: Yeah. <laughs> N- naps are fantastic. Yeah. So I, I want you to help me with the timeline because I kind. So the, this is the way my brain works. I forget almost everything in my working life except for a few people. So when I think about Wendy's, I remember you mm-hmm. and I remember Fred and Marie, and I think there was a kid named Garrett that worked there when you yes, yeah, but i can't I can't remember the timeline so so what years
1: what year did we meet so the years. That was my sophomore year in high school. Sophomore hmm. to, into junior year in high school, so that would have been ninety to ninety one. Okay, one somewhere there,
0: yeah. And that's yeah. that's right. That that that's about where I had it. I had it in the early nineties, somewhere between ninety and ninety three. So yeah, at least that was in the right decade. So
1: yeah, yeah. And to kind of put it in a time frame, another another way to look at it is they had the super deluxe salad bar at the time still. Yeah. We had to go fill that bad boy up. Yeah, had chili and all kinds of stuff in there too. Yeah, so.
0: Oh yeah, and uh, what was his name? Poor guy. He was Teddy. Teddy would come in with his mom and yeah. just destroy that salad bar. Yeah, you know?
1: absolutely. And I still remember the lady that came in. She would come in about once a week and order a quadruple, uh, quadruple patty burger with only mayonnaise, and she said. If you think you've put enough mayonnaise on, you haven't.
0: <laughs> oh man! And and do you you have to remember the lady with the the hearing aids that were constantly the battery was low and they were beeping.
1: Yes, <laughs> she didn't know. Yeah, see, it
0: was, it was, it was just. It was silly. I've been wearing yeah. I've been wearing hearing aids for like ten years, and and I I know when the battery's out because I can't hear anymore.
1: Right, right. You would think that would be your first indication. Yeah, but you have to wait until it goes off and buzzes, and then you have to have people around you tap you on the shoulder.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I remember she ordered. It's so stupid because I remember so much from when you were there. She ordered a baked potato with just butter and I think a side salad with Italian dressing.
1: Isn't it amazing we can remember those kinds of things? Yeah, well, I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but I can remember, you know, the top 10 lists we made while we worked at Wendy's. Yes.
0: (laughs) The silliest time, one of the silliest times of my life, I mean, back when I worked at Farrell's, I could could be pretty silly too, but for some reason, I mean you got me at the right time because if if you started working with me in 90 that's right when I had we had our daughter and and right. and then we were friends through the the time I had my son and yep. it was just I mean it was just sheer pandemonium I I didn't I, I didn't feel like I was working when I was with you
1: <laughs> you know I felt the same way you know it's one of those things where it was we we went to work and I and and very rarely have I ever had a job in my life where I looked forward to going to work. Yeah. It was one of those things where you show up, it's like I get to see Scott, I get to goof around today and maybe get fired.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which is a
1: whole other story.
0: I think I think I was pretty close to it a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our uh, our closing wasn't the best closes in the
1: world. No. No. Yeah. I remember the time where Well, the story goes where I was, I think it was Garrett and I were working, and we were goofing off after work. The doors were closed, everything. Uh and We were just cleaning up and totally goofing off and making tons of noise and everything like that. You happened to be on the phone on the other end. You weren't at the store. You were at the other end, and somebody, and I think the manager was talking to you, and they said, put Drew on the phone. And you said, Drew, you don't straighten up. You're (laughs) on I'm like, yep, I got the clue. I got it. Focus, focus. Yeah,
0: I think I remember that guy. I don't remember his name, but he was a he was a big, stocky, red haired guy, and just one of the worst one of the worst managers you could ever ask for. We didn't help. Yeah, and and I don't think I was I don't think I was even mad at you. I was mad at him because uh, he said just a second and put the phone down and. I remember I was sitting there on the couch with Lisa for, I think, 30 minutes.
1: (laughs) What the heck was this guy doing?
0: Yeah, and I think he forgot that he was talking to me. He
1: hung the phone up, so I called back, and that's when I talked to you. (laughs) I'm telling you, there was some great days there. Yeah. I'm going to go back a minute. What's really interesting is my very first experience with anyone in your family was actually your brother. Oh, yeah. yeah. When I, I lived on Osborne Road for a little while in Wakefield, the bus would pick me up, and your brother, I think, I was in sixth grade, and your brother was, I think, a senior. school, either junior or senior. And I remember him, he was a ball of fire. Yeah. He went up and down the rows and things like that. The bus driver was constantly yelling at him. <laughs> but it was that was the first time I'd ever met one of the Curtis's. And then I also remember... It's kind of weird because I didn't know who you were at the time, but I recognized you when I started working at Wendy's because I had gone to Farrell's at least twice. Remember you? I remember this tall, lanky guy. Yeah. He was funny. And I just love, I love going there and seeing you. And then, you know, lo and behold, I'm working for you and years later at Wendy's. It was, it was pretty awesome. So,
0: yeah, that's funny. And then there's the Randy DeClean connection. Yep. So, you and you and Randy were really good friends and Randy was a bagger at Kroger and my wife Lisa worked in the bank inside the Kroger there
1: I always and, wondered where that connection was I didn't remember that
0: yeah it's it's such a small world but you know our shifts together I mean it was it was sheer pandemonium it, yeah. it, it was you know you were narcoleptic front reg boy so
1: where yeah. I would sit there and start taking an order to... yeah <laughs> Not off? I was actually reminiscing with my my daughter, who's now twenty years old. I can Jeez. And we, were, I was just chit chatting about coming up for this podcast, and I was I was just telling her all the, some of the funny things and exploits that we did. And one of the things was we were modeling. We would create these top ten lists based on David Letterman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And one of my favorite ones was the top ten, top ten rejected children's books. And I remember number one on the list being Hitler and Teddy. <laughs> I'm just like, that sounds like it would be rejected pretty well. Oh, it was just dead. But, but on top of that, okay, so my wife just found this book, and I thought, this can't be real. Oh, no, it's a real book, children's book. Maybe you've seen it on online here. It's called Hookers and Blow Save Christmas. <laughs> I'm have- about to no. <laughs> think it's, it's a It's a tow truck named hookers and a stow plow named blow oh okay Merry Christmas <laughs> <laughs> well she's ordered it. it hasn't come yet I can't wait to see it yeah that's the best about... told me about that I thought man that could have made the list yeah
0: I I, I will say that I have I've never used uh biggie cups to try to fill another cup with soda since since that time <laughs>
1: that was that was a great story I just love that I don't know what came about of it. Just one of the one of the crazy closings that we always had Yeah. where suddenly you were a biggie cup man yeah. for biggie, hand, biggie cups on your hands. And you were trying to do everything like that. And for whatever reason, it just was the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> and we couldn't stop laughing about it. And I think it kept going on and on and on. Yeah. For weeks. It wasn't
0: just one night. No, and narcoleptic front ridge boy made an appearance usually at least once a week.
1: At least once a week, yeah. Frequently, every once in a while, I would practice with a customer, <laughs> and then they just kind of stare at me, and then I just kind of pop back up and keep going. <laughs> and I am I'm just blown away. I I made it through that experience and never did get fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, yeah oh my gosh yeah
0: I, I actually left uh, Wendy's of my own volition which
1: is just nuts yeah I mean you're, I don't even remember what where I went to I remember before I was working at Wendy's I was working at a place called Harry's Waffle House peeling potatoes yeah, yeah. I ended up getting this job over at Wendy's and it was I loved it I just thrilled of course you know but I I, I don't know where I went there after I don't recall I was yeah. thinking about I know I worked at PJ's Video for a little while. Okay, but at any rate, you know it was a it was a time that I really enjoyed. And Randy came along for the ride several times. Yeah, I mean things that you could never get away with today that that we did. You know, one of the things was, you know, when I wasn't working, Randy and I would go and get some Wendy's and walk up, and he'd go, "Okay, now as we go in, I I'm deaf, so I'm going to sign language you, and you're going to tell the meal order to the person." Stab. So we go in there and he's, of course, he's not citing anything. No. He just moves his fingers around flipping me off half the time. <laughs> I can turn around and go, yeah, we'll take a single with, okay, okay, cheese, a large biggie fry. It was just funny. <laughs> just things like that you'd never, you would never have go well today.
0: No. The problem with folks working in fast food today is they're definitely not having any fun.
1: No. No. <laughs> i feel bad for them yeah you gotta make your own fun you know yeah. you're hard pressed to find anybody they're just the most miserable lot. yeah it, it, it just i i go to taco bell every once in a while and i swear those people are just they're just so miserable and i'm like yes. just have fun yeah with what what am i going to have fun with you know got to make your own fun. We certainly did. So
0: yes, yes, I, I have never been as silly as as I was there. And the, I mean, you just brought it out of me. That 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 was a problem. You were the instigator of all this shit. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're probably right.
0: Because I was a very serious person then. I I I had a child. I well, I had to provide for. And then you show okay. up, and I'm like, I.
1: You know, you'd have to go out, go in the back, and you'd have all this paperwork, you'd have to sit in the office, and you have to take this stuff seriously. Yeah. And my job was run the register. You know, I didn't even work in Wendy's long enough to graduate to flipping burgers. Yeah. So, yeah. so well, it was my whole job was relegated to filling salt and pepper shakers, rolling the salad bar, yeah. you know, mopping the floor in the bathroom, and 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 calling orders on the mic. And that was it. That yeah. was my whole life. I didn't even get to run the uh, cash register at the at the uh, drive. Oh, yeah. I should have stayed a little longer, a couple more years. Maybe yeah. that's when the big bucks would have come rolling. It's Louis Anderson.
0: So, yeah. You, so. you, you were really awful as an employee, though. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> that's, I mean, the only saving grace is I think you only worked with me. If you would have worked with any other... Well, any other manager for any period of time, then that would have been a bad thing.
1: What, what was the what was the the female manager's name? What was her name again? Was, was it, Marie- it Annette? Annette. Annette. That's what it was. Yeah. So yeah, I remember working with Annette early on in my in my Wendy's career, uh-huh. and but then I noticed I I picked up on it as time went on. I was working with Annette less and less and with Scott more. Yes. Yeah. I think she got to a point. She's like. I can't work with this guy. He <laughs> <is> nuts. <laughs> and you know, the thing is I've kept on that tradition. I've always been about having a, having a good time. Yeah. And I, and I have ways of, of kind of dampening it and controlling. It. It's a little more controlled than it used to be. Yeah. But, but as a, as a social studies teacher, I get to play every day. I get to walk in every day and play and just have a good time. And even the kids sometimes look at me and go, you are the weirdest guy. And I'm like, that's how I operate. You take yeah. it or leave it, you know. And most of the kids, when they leave my class and graduate high school, and I see them years later, you're like, they're like, you know what? Your class was one of those fun classes I ever had. Mm. Didn't learn jack shit, but we had a lot of fun. yeah. Your students have to love you. I would
0: love to have all my grandkids have you as a teacher.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I need to get on down to Huntsville. Or...
0: Yeah. Well, I've got I've got one in Huntsville now. I just my son and his wife just had a baby three weeks awesome. ago. Yeah awesome but the other two are in the dc area so they're, oh you see. okay they're more likely to have randy teach him something
1: yeah well i'm not sure you want that
0: yeah i know
1: <laughs> yeah randy worked for dick cheney from 01 to 03 in the white house yeah it was actually it was 01 to 03 01 to 05 maybe oh i well it had to be because it was across one of the presidential campaigns the 04 campaign it must have been yeah flying around the country and this and that and Air Force Two, and I was still trying to figure out how I was going to, you know, put dinner on the table tomorrow night, you know, things yeah. like that. So he was doing okay there, but he had a great experience, I'm sure, with the whole the whole White House operation too. I'm sure he he might be one of your guests here soon too, because you yeah. interviewed him Yeah,
0: I did way back uh, when I was doing that Michiana People thing. I told right, you, right, right, yeah, yeah. And I, he's been he's been super quiet on uh, social
1: media lately. So yeah. Yeah, he's he's been pretty hush. I think he works for a PR firm. Yeah, know, being a PR firm, PR guy, you kind of have to ride the middle of the fence, and it's easier to ride the middle of the fence when you're not posting things online right like I am. You know, yeah. getting in trouble by my wife. <laughs> Why do you constantly post stuff like that? Leonard, that's just who I am.
0: Yeah. Right. So so the beauty of our relationship is, it's funny, I feel like I'm telling a story. It didn't end with us working together. We, we still hung out after we worked together and all the way up through college and student teaching and yep. everything else. But I think the next thing that we really had fun with was the uh, karaoke.
1: We did. Yeah, we had some pretty great karaoke experiences. You know, certainly we had the Pulp Fiction stuff prior to that. Just hanging out. I think it was the 100 Center in Mishawaka. Yeah, you go to the theater there, and I think we we must have seen Pulp Fiction a hundred times.
0: And if you remember that that theater was like falling apart at that yeah. point. Yeah, there were like pieces of the wall that were kind of caving yeah. in, and it
1: was it was a great place to see Pulp Fiction. It was. It certainly was. I remember it was like a buck to get in. It was like buck for popcorn or something, and it was such a cult classic that it was packed every yeah. thinking night. It could be a Tuesday night. And it would be packed. Yeah, and uh, it was just amazing to to see that. And I think that that movie was in that theater for like another sixteen months after it was, yeah, cut from the other theaters. It was pretty amazing. It had become almost like like Rocky Horror, so to speak, for a right. for, for a short run. But but then, yeah. When then the karaoke thing, we started. I'm trying to think where it was. I think it was Squeaker's Pub in Mishawaka. For a time, was there another place too?
0: There was one on uh, on the river there on Lincoln Way. It was
1: was it called like oh 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 South Bank? That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah South Bank. We went yeah. there. Yeah, and then uh, later when uh, when my wife was joining us at the time, my girlfriend joining us, we would go to the one hundred and one. Wow, is it no 330, 331, Excuse me, three thirty one. Yeah, and Martha's Midway. Man Martha's midway oh my gosh that's i can't believe that place is still kicking yeah yeah that's amazing still still like uh you know they're still having some pretty good acts there but some of those times of us singing karaoke i think my fondest memory with that was one night it was like a tuesday we're at squeakers and it was you and i and maybe one or two other people in the whole place and we just decided out of the blue to put our names in as just random weird name. Yeah. So this is where my, my pen name, which I'm still called this from time to time by my wife, MC Miss Clarol. Yeah. The... So just, we were just coming up with the weirdest names to put in and the yeah. jockey was just like, who the heck is MC Miss Clarol? I mean, that's me. That's me. And so we go up there and do you remember any of the other names like uh
0: I normally went as Jack Ace. I I I Jack think Ace. yeah. Yeah, I think that's maybe the I I may have used others but that's the only one that I remember. Yeah. But MC McClarroll stuck because you use that quite a
1: bit. Yeah. And it really it did well and the reason why it stuck was as we would start to go to some of the other places like the 331 there's another place on Bilburn. I can't remember what, it was called, what it's called now, but we go to Martha's Midway. And every once in a while we go there and people would recognize me. They wouldn't recognize me by my name. They'd recognize me as MC Miss Clairol. Yeah. And so for a time, that was my name. And I was yeah. like in public at University Park Mall. And somebody crossed the way, hey, MC Miss Clairol, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> can't get away from it.
0: Well, and the reason why is, is because you can sing. So just, just so everybody knows, Drew can sing. I can't sing. So, you know, even though I went up, it was, it was less than memorable, but I mean, you would do all the soprano falsetto stuff. You do Kiss by Prince. Yeah. And print. you ought to know, you did, you ought to know. Yeah. That's Private Dancer. Private, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh Yeah.
1: Answer for money. And every once in a while, I would have to change some of the words, you know. Yeah. So I would sing. I think I saw I sang whichever one it is, "Basket Case" or "Long View," the one where it's basically about masturbation. And I would say they had the line where it was, "When masturbation has lost its fun," I would say, "When having fun has lost fun." then <laughs> <laughs> the crowd, of course, laugh about that. But- It was all, it was always about just because I knew I did, I do have like a little bit of skill with singing, but I'm not great. And so for me, it was all about just making people laugh and having a good time. Yeah. And so that was because there were some pretty amazing, talented people that would go up and sing and I'd be like, wow, they're amazing. I could never do that. And they're doing it all in seriousness. Of course, 95% of the people were absolutely horrific. Yeah, But we get the 5% that were really, really good. And I'm like, well, I can't stack up to that, but I can at least make people laugh and goof off. Yeah. So that's what I do. So I have a little bit of skill and then throw a little bit of, you know, goofy out there. to Oh, you, the rest. yeah.
0: You completely committed to the bit. That, that Yeah. You were, you, you were, you were a hundred percent committed. You leaned into it and there was no stopping you once you got started. And I had so much fun. The, the only thing I remember, I think it was that, I don't remember which one it was at, but the best description of my voice, a karaoke guy said, I think after I sang Black Dog, yeah. this guy sounds like a cross between Frank Sinatra and Richard Nixon. And, <laughs> and
1: I think that's analogy. The, yeah, it is. It fits perfectly. <laughs> and what's interesting is a lot of times you would come up and you would sing songs and you would sing it in that kind of Sinatra style, even if it had nothing to do with Sinatra. Yeah. Uh, and I just love I thought it was great because that really that was that was your that was your stick mm-hmm. we got everybody going.
0: Yeah, Black Dog, Black Dog, you cookie, Black Dog.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! Just some of the memories there, and then I got my cousin Axe. We call him Axe. I had him, yeah, yeah. Come for the ride, and so many times, but you know, between the two of us, or you, you and I with him, he'd be leaving just in tears, crying laughing so hard because we were just so goofy up there yeah so i'm telling you folks if you want to have a lot of fun you got to get involved in karaoke don't worry if you sing well or don't you yep. will have have a good time it's all about having a great time. So, so back to pulp fiction i remember
0: sure. one time we were we were at the hundred center and a couple came in with their kids that were like i think one of them maybe five maybe eight and oh my you It's the only time I ever saw you really, really angry. You, you were like, man, what the hell is my camera doing? Uh (laughs) Oh, I have no idea what I did to it. That's funny. But yeah, it was, it was just amazing how angry you were. You were like, how can you bring a kid into this? And
1: this does sound kind of like me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And. And that made you ready for to be a teacher for
1: sure. Cared about the kids. Well, I, I would say so. I that's one of the things I just I couldn't wrap my head around and and I don't get I don't get upset much. My wife even kind of makes fun of me a little bit for it. She's like, You are so even Keel. Yeah. All the time. You you just take everything in stride and sometimes people will even come up to your face and they will they will diss you so bad and you'll just kinda of just shrug it off like eh whatever. But there yeah. are things that just like hit your trigger and you just lose control. And I, and I think that's one of those things. It's like, that's one of them is, 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 is parents sometimes that are, that have their kids in inappropriate situations and things like that. There's been times where I would see some adults or, or, or some parents that, you know, they would be at a restaurant or whatever, and they would just start, you know, ripping into their kids and cursing yeah. them out and things like that in public. That's, those are times where I just like, I can't even wrap my head around that. I, yeah. You know, there's being a parent and then there's being an ass. Yeah. And that's one of those things. And, and I'm, I'm about having a good time and having fun. And there's times, where it's like, you know, you gotta just chill it out and things like that. But yeah, I mean that, I don't remember that situation specifically, but I do. That sounds exactly like me. Like, yeah. How in the world did you bring your kid to something like this? And I'm yeah. just sitting there thinking about, you know, The Zed dead, dead, Zed's dead. You mean you know, see like that? I'm like, how in the world, you know? Or or Jules calling the wolf? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Why is her five year old seeing this? What the heck? Oh, Uh, motherfucking wolf. Okay, why
0: didn't you say so? Exactly. Oh my gosh. So we could quote that, and oh yeah, and. You know we can't forget our bond over the Jerky Boys. I mean, oh, that's, jerky and you know I've forgotten a lot of that stuff, but I, I still remember Kissel. I still remember the guy that wanted the yeah. the balloons on his kid and for his birthday and around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but well, we would we would quote that. We
1: do our <laughs> our our own mixes, remixes, on it. Oh my gosh, the Jerky Boys still to this day are. Some of the some of the funniest things. I quote them from time to time. Yeah. Adam and I quote it from time to time. In fact, any time we talk on the phone, we're quoting that. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you have the character Frank Rizzo, character Jack Torres, you have Saul Rosenberg. Yeah. I fell down the stairs and my ooze fell off and my teeth ended up in my earpiece. What? <laughs> and I mean, just the craziest stuff, and Johnny Brennan, who is still doing that. He's still he's still doing the Jerky Boys here and there, but he moved on to Family Guy. Yeah, he does the character. I can't remember the name of the characters on Family Guy, but it's basically Saul Rosenberg. Yeah, I just love that. I just think
0: it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I just doubled over laughing when when we would do that shit, and it was yeah. we we did that at work too. So that was oh, yeah was another problem.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'll tell you another one I quote. Since then is uh, Tim and Eric. Did you ever get into Tim and Eric? You know I didn't, but I'm I probably will. So right
0: now I'm usually like ten years slow on things. So
1: that's okay. These guys, the Tim and Eric, they've they've done a stuff. They they did stuff on Adult Swim for a while, back in the early two thousands. Yeah, I still quote them. It's almost twenty years later in some cases. Just some of the crazy stuff that they did. So I think they're yeah. on still. Yeah. But, uh, ah, man, yeah. Jerky Boys was one of those things where I just really, I mean, I just could not stop laughing. I would listen to those tapes. Of course, you had cassette tapes back then. I would listen to the tapes over and over and over again until they would start wearing out, you know? Yeah. So pre CD. Yeah. Kids don't even know what CDs are these days. Either. No, they don't. A whole other thing.
0: Yeah, well, they're getting back into LPs, so that's yeah, it's the thing now. So yeah, and, my daughter has a whole LP collection, which is yeah, not yeah, my daughter does too. And I, I I'm not going there because yeah. I can't, I can't hear it anyway. So the the subtlety of the warmness of vinyl yeah. or whatever just is lost on me anyway. So yeah, I, I'm not gonna. Because the funny thing is, is I remember you know I bought the LP. Yep. I bought the cassette, or or the eight track, or so I was eight track era. So I would get that, and then it gets scratched up. So I'd buy it again, and then or I'd lose a cassette and I'd buy it again, and then CDs came out. So I bought the CD, and then and I I used to have a huge CD collection, yeah. and then the streaming started, and I got rid of everything, right? But Everything I got rid of, I bought two or three times at least. Right, right. So, so I don't feel bad about streaming music now because
1: it's, yeah, I, I've already paid for it. And see, my daughter's trying to get me in on Spotify and all that stuff, the streaming. And I I look at it and go, but I buy it once on MP3 and I just have it forever. Yeah. And so I, that's how I'm, I've been going about it. She goes, oh, you're so behind the times, Dad. Yeah. Okay, I guess I am. But that's okay. The, Okay, the re- another thing I remember
0: is you were so proud, and you called me, and you you said you got to come see my house. This is after this is after you graduated college and you came back, and I think you're you were working at Goshen Schools, right? To, right. And you got to see my house, and I mean, this was a tiny house before tiny houses were a
1: thing. Yeah. It would, how so many this- square foot was it? Was it like four something? So this house. This is the one that was on, it was on Cam's Court in Wishawaka. and it's right on the, it's on, and basically it was an old alley that they then paved and then named it a street. Yeah. And so you have the house on one side, then you have the street, then you have the railroad tracks. So freight trains come by 20 times a day, plus Amtrak goes by and all this stuff. And this little, t- what happened was there's these there's all these little lots that they put there right on the alley. And this is back probably in the nineteen twenties and thirties. They they basically worked from both ends of the block towards the middle. Yeah. And then when they got the middle, they had like half a lot left over. It wasn't even a full size lot. Yeah. So they decided to build a tiny little stick built house there. It's not even like it's not even a trailer. It's a tiny little stick built. Yeah. They put a basement in this thing. And the total square footage is three hundred and sixty square feet. Three sixty, okay. Yeah. Well the basement had a little laundry area and the and the bedrooms actually the basement, and then the main floor was kitchen and it's kind of like a great room because you had the kind of the counter that went out into the main living area. But yeah. so you had the kitchen and then you had like a living space, living area, and then a small bathroom, stand up shower. That was the whole house, <laughs> and I think you could measure the the yard, the backyard, in square inches. Yeah, well, but. I love the place, and I lived there 11 months, and I certainly, my my plan originally was to live there and and just pay it off, because my I bought that thing for $15,000, yeah. and it was actually a couple in, in Lakeville, of all places, that I bought it from. They had been running it out, and they were fixing it up, and they had ordered a pizza, and I worked right around the corner at Sailor's Pizza, and I thought, oh, the order is just half a block down, I don't even need to drive, so I walked down, it was a summer day. Walked down, got the pizzas, set them down. They gave them the total and everything like that. And I go, so you guys moving in? And they said, no, actually, we're we're prepping it to sell. And I go, oh, how much? And they said, 15000 I said, all right, I'll do that. And they go, are you serious? We're not even done yet. I go, I'm in. I, that sounds like a good deal to me. So <laughs> well, I went down to the bank, and I, w- I walked in, and I, I talked to my buddy John, who was John Saylor. He said, go, go to this bank, talk to this guy. He'll hook you up. Okay, so I go in there. I go. I don't even know what I'm doing. I Have no idea. Mm-hmm. I told this couple I want to buy this house for fifteen thousand. What can we do? He goes, let me take a look. And a couple of days later, he called me back in his office. He says, I'm not sure we're gonna be able to help you. The lowest mortgage number we'll even look at is thirty thousand. In my brain, I'm just like, let me thirty thousand. I give you fifteen thousand back right away, and we'll keep going. He goes, well, that doesn't really work that way. He goes, but I think I got a work around. The workaround is, I'm gonna give you a home equity loan. Like I have no equity. How does that make any sense? He goes, "You let me handle the details." All right, whatever. <laughs> so we got an home equity loan for ten years. My payment was one ninety a month for a house, and after ten years, my plan was, or somewhere in there, was to then just kind of build upon it, sell it, and buy something a little bigger, and sell that after a few years, buy something a little bigger until I got established or whatever. Mm-hmm. It did not work out that way because I ended up getting a job in Fremont mm-hmm. later. That's the rest is history. I'm out this way now. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See. one of the things
0: that I thought was the funniest thing in the world is when you worked at Sailors, you were a bit of a loan shark.
1: Oh my gosh. I forgot all about that. Yeah, I
0: was. So so tell me how that came about. I I mean it I,
1: I just I just
0: rolled when you told me that.
1: All right. So the funniest thing in the world was. I worked with, I don't, I guess it's kind of a strong word, but some, some 'er ne'er-do-wells that they were great people. They were wonderful people, but they were constantly behind the eight ball. They were constantly, I mean, let's just be honest with you, to be honest with you, a couple of them were folks that they, they got paid on Friday and by Sunday or Monday, their money was gone because they, you know, bought their stash of weed for the week. Yeah. So, they were constantly coming back to the boss on like Wednesday and saying, "Hey, can you can you lend me? Can you float me some money until Friday when you get paid?" And he'd usually help them out. Well, it got to a point where he got tired of doing it, mm. especially with the fact that you know some of them weren't paying him back, you know, in a timely fashion or whatever. So I said, "Well, I see a gap in the market, so to speak." <laughs> so I just, I said, "Listen, I said I'll lend you some money." And he said, You will, yeah. So so I created a whole schedule on a little note card Uh of my percentage rates, and I mean, this was usury at its finest. I made, you know, those check cash places blush. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I mean, I was breaking these people over the coals, and they were totally cool with it. And (laughs) I'm like, you know, if if any of those folks would have like, you know, decided to push me on that, I'd be in big trouble, but. You know, one time, a guy borrowed a hundred bucks and paid me back 140 like three days later. Yeah. You well, know, I was like, this is a great business to be in. I should expand this, you know. And then <laughs> I can't remember who it was. Someone along the line said, you know, you're not really supposed to do that. I go, why the heck not? <laughs> <is gonna happen." laughs> and then I kind of eventually started to meander away from that. And for a little while, I actually got into cars. I bought, I would buy a car and spruce it up a little bit sell it and i would then make a ton of money on each one maybe 500 bucks or something like that but i did that for a little while too but it was just a little i don't know i just found something interesting let's try it out and see yeah. how, how it works and it worked out pretty well so yeah i was a loan shark for a yeah while. did you ever grab somebody by the lapels and say <laughs> i'm i'm coming back tomorrow for the vig yeah, i knew you were gonna have. i gotta have the vig the amazing thing is i never had to do that you know i always thought about though maybe i should just go to like a pawn shop not buy a violin but just the violin case yeah just to walk around with it just, just like stare people down while i'm holding my and i'd kind of pull it up on my chest and kind of tap it like you better pay off you know tomorrow's your due date you know stuff like that <laughs> oh man
0: so i i just can't believe you've got a daughter
1: 20 she, she's 20 years old yeah jeez she goes to IU just like I do and like I did, I should say. And, yeah. you know, she's in the same year that I was when I really started to, you know, spread my wings a little bit and just enjoy the campus and the whole experience of being in Bloomington. Yeah. And we were talking about that a little bit the other day, too. But, yeah, she's she's 20 years old. She's going into education as well. She's getting involved in she's going to have a degree in or excuse me, certification in teaching public ed and also special ed. And her goal is to teach in Chicago public schools. Wow. So, and and we've talked all about it. I'm like, you know, some of those places could be, you know, a little tough and things like that. And she's like, yeah, I think I'm ready for it. Okay. so that's what student teaching will be for in a couple of years. So she'll get an opportunity because she does a whole year of student teaching her senior year. The first semester she'll be doing the special ed portion and then she'll Mm -hmm. do the public ed portion the second semester and that'll actually be in Chicago public schools. So she'll have about 16 weeks to kind of get her feet wet and see if that's really something that she wants to do. And if she, if she does, you know, we more power to her. She yeah. the
0: world, so. Does she inherit any of your goofiness?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Ed, my wife, absolutely baddie. <laughs> yeah. She, and the, the good news is there's still times where she's safe, where she'll even look at me and go, Ed, why are you doing this? But I will tell you what probably the thing that makes me most proud is that other kids will say how embarrassed they are of their parents. She never says it about me. Yeah. He goes, she's just like, that's just my dad. Take it or leave it. You know, like, you know, like her friends would be like, what is with him? He is so bizarre. And he's like, eh, that's my dad.
0: Oh, you must be so proud.
1: I am. I am. I'm, it's, in fact, it, it, I, I feel like at some point herself, I think it, she's going to go into stand up stand up comedy.
0: Yeah, that's so, great. Yeah, yeah, I, that's fantastic. I it's I remember so my son is pretty goofy like me, and and he's he's a little bit different in his goofiness, but when we're together, it's just it's kind of like when I'm with you, it's pandemonium, and yeah. and she. His wife, when they were dating, they were at IU and they were dating. And I remember the first time I met her, we went bowling at at the campus place. Oh, like um, the uh, student union? Yeah, student union, yeah. And and so we're, we're all sitting down, putting our shoes on, and her name's Tiffany. I said, so, Tiffany, what are your intentions with my son? And, <laughs> and you could see all the color drain from her face. and And... She didn't know what to say, and my son's laughing, and my wife is like, Stop it. And yeah, and it was a lot.
1: I know what that sounds like that stop it the way that phone intonation that I know exactly what that sounds like. (laughs) Just stop it. Yeah, Yeah. but
0: but it took her, you know, it took her a while to get used to because she grew up in a little bit more, I guess, proper atmosphere. And and my son and I use all the language at each other, and you know, we flip each other off to say hi and bye, and right. and but we wrestle, and that's uh that that's that's the part that neither my wife or Tiffany can get used to. You know, slap, yeah, slot, slot, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it always ends with me giving him a punch in the kidneys, and <laughs> he he taps out. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, and I've got a grandson, a grandson Jackson that is my daughter's oldest. He's five and i'm seeing i'm seeing a little bit of me there uh, because he can i mean he'll be dead serious and then all of a sudden he'll just be doing these weird dances and singing and he's he he's a nut he's he's definitely he's definitely got a little bit of old grandpa's personality that's yeah yeah I, i i it was just so fun you know watching as your daughter grew up and and you can tell you can tell she's very intelligent from just just from the things that you've posted and stuff like that but there was a picture that you posted not too long ago and i'm like wtf
1: it's like she she's an adult i i, yeah, don't, I know i don't know how i'm supposed to handle this you know and it's it's wild yeah she really is she's just grown up in fact she she's you know got into coloring her hair and doing her makeup and all the nails and everything like that. And she loves to go to thrift stores. Yeah. And she's great about that. That's one of the things I'm really proud of is the fact that she learned very young to be frugal uh. and to, you know, not to be, you know, a penny pincher a spendthrift to the point of, you know, being annoying about it, but just being really conscious of, of her ha- of her habits. And so she got into Goodwill. So she would go and buy these outfits and have and and just things you'd never like. I didn't even know that was there. And she would find this amazing outfit. Mm. Her friends would always be like, "Wow, you're so trendy. Where'd you get that?" And they'd be like, "You go to Abercrombie for that." She'd be like, "No, I went to Goodwill." And they're like, you know, they would recoil and horror, <laughs> like, "What? How did you do that?" You know. And she's like, okay. "So things like that." But one of the things, speaking of Goofy, her boyfriend is named Cameron, and he is he is Goofy like me. And oh, like. <laughs> My wife comments all the time. It's like, Ellie, you're, you're dating a clone of your father. Yeah. Because The only difference is he's taller than I am. He's got long hair, but he, he also has a musical talent, which I don't quite have that, but he plays in a band called Jujubee and yeah. he's going to uh, Purdue Fort Wayne for, I don't remember exactly what the majors called something like music engineering or something like that. Okay. So something so- where he's going to be making a lot more money than I am, <laughs> but he is just a total goofball. And, and they play off each other so well with, with just their little antics and 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 things like that. So it works out pretty well. So just the other day, he and I went to, he actually took me out to Due's Pizza over in Chicago. And uh, we both wore bowling shirts that made us look like mafia bosses while we were slipping there. So he gets it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
0: oh that's that that's just perfect I mean it, it's it's a perfect circle so yeah no that's that, that's fantastic
1: I've already been thinking about okay what's this going to be like in a few years when they get married have their kids are we going to have more like drew or the more like amber you know yeah in terms of yeah. you know which grandparent are they going to take take after so I'm kind of crossing my fingers please be please me yeah not that I don't love my wife, I certainly love my wife, but my wife is usually the one that gives me the stern look. Yeah, <laughs> you got to have that. You know, yeah. Somebody has to tell you when to quit. There's a balance, yeah. You got to have the healthy balance. She's awesome. Yeah. So I got to ask.
0: So I've I've got a lot of teachers in my family on my wife's side, and they, you know, there's a couple of them in Indianapolis. Well, that's the only teachers. There's only two. Yeah, there's a couple teachers on that side and then we know a couple teachers and everybody talks about how hard teaching is and oh, yeah. how kids have changed and stuff like that. So how do you how do you keep kids engaged when their their attention span is like 2 seconds and and they're yeah are they really different or or is it just old people saying they're different?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the things about education I I really I think that a lot of especially younger teachers don't get and even sometimes the the kind of middle range, middle range teachers don't get is the way I always approach teaching is I'm on stage. So when I when I have my lessons, I always plan them accordingly to try to put it in a perspective where I'm trying to I know I have a tough job. I have a very uphill climb with middle school level kid, a seventh and eighth grade kid I'm trying to get them to understand what I'm talking about. How can I get a kid engaged about the presidency of John Adams? How can I get them focused in and really care about the nullification crisis under President Andrew Jackson? Those are really difficult things because most of the time you're going to have the approach of let's just throw information at them. Well, you can make it fun. And if you always think about you're on stage and you're trying to make this into a production and you're trying to put it in a way where you're. You're not just, it's not just you, them looking at you, like you're on stage, but it's you as in collective, all of you are on stage. So you have to put things in a perspective where you're trying to get them engaged in what you're doing. And when that happens, then they start understanding things and they start believing things and they start understanding they can do stuff and they get it. And, and some things, some topics certainly are easier than others. One of the things, for example, I do like we have coming up here in January is we're going to be studying the adventures of Lewis and Clark going through and exploring the Louisiana territory. And so one of the things I do is I put together a project called the Lewis and Clark Epic Movie Trailers. Mm-hmm. And so what I tell them to do is I tell them to write a script with their group and put various scenes in it. And I say, your, your production's 30 seconds long total. Mm-hmm. What you want to do is you want to create small scenes, four to five to six seconds a piece. And then we'll have backgrounds up on the screen and I'll just film you just for those four or five or six seconds. And then what we'll do is I'll splice it all together with some video editing software. And then I'll show you your commercial. And I'll also put some epic trailer music on the back of that as I'm doing work. And then I share that with them. And they're just always blown away by how it all works, how how it comes out so seamless when it seems like it's just a bunch of disarray. But in the end, when it gets those questions on the test about Lewis and Clark, they never miss them. Yeah. Th- those are the things. It's about it's about ways of being creative and coming up with things, and and to be honest with you, I don't think kids today are any different than they were when we were kids. I, I just feel like sometimes, and and sometimes we even have a tendency of beating up parents too, you know. How parents were just better about this or that, you know, because the parents are sometimes doing the best they can too. They're I've never been a parent before, and this is my first time with a middle schooler. So what the heck am I supposed to do? There's no rule book, but I totally get that. I respect that, but. I do, I do believe that there are parenting techniques that work and work well, and there are parenting techniques that don't work very well. And so one of the things that I try to do when we have parent-teacher conferences is really encourage parents to understand to what level they are responsible for their kids and that they have to be in charge. Sometimes they want to be their kid's best friend and sometimes it's like, you're going to have to take away the electronic devices or cell phone for a while. Get them to comply. Find those things that they really care about, and maybe remove that from the situation to kind of get them to the point where they're ready to go. But you know, the fact is that you know, kids are kids. They're great. It's constantly trying. If I have struggles and and complications with a kid, it's always about trying to figure out how can I match or meet where they're at, and not all. It doesn't always work. You know, I definitely had kids that have left my classroom that had some very strong, you know button heads and that kind of stuff and they are very pleased to not be in my classroom with her ever again i think that's pretty far few and far between but that certainly happens you know? i guess that's the best way to approach it you know i think i don't think kids are any different i think it's just how you approach the kids and things like that
0: i've always been a been big on project-based learning because mm-hmm. like what you're doing with the movies because my son really struggled in school because he's 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 got my thing that he's absolutely not going to spend any time doing anything he doesn't want to do, yes, mm-hmm. eh, ever, right? Yeah, that only totally makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so he he didn't like school and because he was smarter than most of his teachers and it yeah. just wasn't it wasn't something that he wanted to do. And then he went to college and you find out he's actually really smart because right. he's only taking the classes he wants to take, and now he's fine. But. And school was rough for him, and yeah. we, we tried to get him out of a math class at one time, and the teacher wouldn't let him get out. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, this is like an AP math class. He he's not learning, and he he wouldn't do it. And so my son just buckled down and figured it out just mm-hmm. to spite him because right. he knew how mad I was and how cause right. I I was like, man, we're we're not those parents that ask for anything. So it's just one thing, but but he he ended up getting through it. but now now he's fine because he does exactly what he wants to do. and 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 he'll be fine as long as he can do that.
1: Well, that's exactly the same with with my daughter's boyfriend. You know he he struggled the last couple of years of school just trying to basically get through. He had senioritis, I think, as a sophomore.
0: yeah, and
1: and you know, but he got to a point where plugged through, keep it going. Now he's in college and he's taking the classes that are right in his wheelhouse with you know, learning and play guitar and all those kinds of things, and you know he's flourishing. So, yeah, I totally get it. But I think just as an educator, if you try to figure out how these kids tick and you try to really work with them, you start finding ways that you can incorporate their their interests and their values into what you're doing, and and you start to see a lot more successes. But sometimes we still have kind of a culture where there's a lot of teachers that are like, it's my way, the highway or the highway, it's the I'm doing the old school stuff back when I was a kid, you know, we just, you know, we opened up the textbook, we did the assignment, we wrote it on paper, we turned it in. And that's how I'm doing my class too. And it's like, ugh, nobody wants to do that. Yeah. And, and there's times where you have to, right. But I try to minimize those times. I try to make more opportunities for doing different things at different times, change it up a lot. I want my kids to come in every day. And they do most often go, what are we doing? Today? Like, they don't have any idea. Right, so to another class, and they show up, and they're like I know we're gonna say the same thing we did yesterday, same thing we did the day before. Da, 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 right. Da. Well, no, it doesn't make me any better than anybody else. It just the idea here is that I really tried to make myself the teacher that I wanted to always have.
0: Yeah, up. let's put it that
1: way. Yeah, that's that's great. And the ones you
0: know, I teachers I remember. It's funny I can remember all my grade school teachers. Uh-huh. Some of the high school ones are. Starting to fade away yeah and and the ones I remember they and they weren't particularly goofy mm-hmm. but they were engaging and and that that was the big thing for me if you could engage me and talk to me like a human being then right. I I would feel because I was just like my son I mean I I didn't go to school at all hardly my senior year mm-hmm. and I graduated at like almost the bottom of my class. So, so I got out by the skin of my teeth. Yeah. And, but the, I do remember the ones that, you know, they treat you like a human being and actually engage you. And I remember a couple of them that didn't and and never should have been a teacher. And, right. and then the other ones that were mediocre, they're just gone.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Well, and that's that was that's always been my philosophy, especially when it comes to education. You know, you've probably seen some of my posts on Facebook from time to time where I get a little bit miffed yeah. about the teaching profession. I know what's going on everywhere. I know Alabama's got some struggles, Indiana certainly has theirs, Florida has their well documented troubles, mm-hmm. North Carolina among others. But just the idea that we're gonna treat the teaching profession with just such disregard and disdain, it's just frustrating because, you know, I I have always put the teaching profession, education up on a high pedestal. Mm -hmm. And I've always tried to, to live to that, you know, that level. And I feel like it's just been cheapened so much by the politicians, unfortunately. So I'm really, you know, I'm hoping that the next, you know, 10 to 20 years that more and more people get involved in education that have that same kind of philosophy of we're going to go in there and do what's in the best interest of the kids and not in the best interest of the, you know, the, the standardized testing or what the politicians want. It's all Um, about what they need to move on to the next level. And I don't, I'm not one of those people that professes to say every kid has to go to college. I don't think every kid has to go to college. I think every kid just needs to be successful in whatever genre or whatever place they want to go. Mm. I have some tremendous kids that they're going to be graduating on a Sunday and working on a Monday, making way more money than me doing something they love because that's the right thing and the right fit for them. And that's what we should always be steering them towards. So if we can do that in a way that gets them engaged, like you said, then that's the way it should be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kudos to you for doing that, man, because I, I know it's hard. It,
1: it, it really is. But I've been doing it now 20, 24 years at Fremont. I had two more in between Goshen and Mishawaka that I got credit for. Yeah. So, yeah, 26 years. I can't even believe it. I, I'm fully vested to retire in four years, four and a half years. That's unreal.
0: That's, that's nice.
1: I probably will. But yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting to think. that. Yeah. You're uh,
0: so... It was pretty well documented, you know, what your wife went through with the, you know, the organ failure and stuff like that. And you seem, the, the way you documented some of the videos you did, I mean, they they were great. They were funny. They and, and you were keeping keeping up everybody's spirits. How how did that affect you? Because you you had to be the guy that was making sure the Amber was keeping her spirits up and everything everything was moving forward. How,
1: how did that affect you and how did you get through? Well, the the thing was I always have just remember that I'm not the one that has to go through the big challenges. I'm going through the minor stuff. So, you know, I, I always thought about what can I do to just be the best support I possibly can be, whether it's taking her appointments, making sure she has her medicine. I still, you know, have I, I fill all her medicine up for her every week. So that she has all the right things in the right places so she doesn't have to think about it because she's got all the things on her plate she's still got worries and things like that mm-hmm. and so you know just to back up a little bit so she when she had some internal birth defects you never know it looking at her but her organs some of the organs weren't quite in the right place they weren't the right size there were different tubes and things connecting like for example her her bile duct was only like a, a half inch or a quarter inch long and it should be like three or four inches long, something mm. along those lines. So she had some liver problems, she had some kidney problems growing up. And then, so when we first got together, she had just gotten done being in two surgeries and we weren't married very long and she had to have two more liver surgeries over the course of the next year. And then came kidney thing where she had, they told her she had less than 10% function, excuse me, in her kidneys. And she's going to have to have a kidney transplant. And so we were just blown away by all that. And so, you know, right there, she's worried about, am I going to live to, you know, how long, how long do I have? And so my thought process was jump right into action. What can I do to try to take away all the other stuff? So she doesn't worry about any of the financial stuff. I take care of all the back end with that. She doesn't worry about ordering the prescriptions. I take care of all that. I set up all her doctor's appointments for it sounds like I'm enabling her and it's not really that. It's just about saying she has her own concerns to worry about. Let me try to take as much off her plate as I possibly can. And so that's kind of how, you know, we've just operated that way and it's worked out really well. And so, yeah, that she had her she had her kidney transplant. Oh, let's see, it's going on nine years now, still getting healthy reports. We go back every six months and we drive drive over to Toledo, we meet with a the uh, urologist and the the team and they look at everything and they say, everything looks great and we keep on trucking and and, yeah. So it's, it's, it's been a blessing. We've been just thrilled that everything's worked out so well. You know, one of the amazing things is that because of her birth defects and things like that, it actually was of a benefit to us, to her was that she, when she went on the kidney transplant, kidney transplant list, you have to meet, there's certain like criterias called alleles and you have to hit like all six of these, there's like six alleles is what they're called. And you have to hit all six of these alleles just right to get on the list. It's not like a list where, you know, there's just a piece of paper somewhere tacked up one through a hundred. And if you're 98 on the list, you got to wait till the first 97, get their kidney. It doesn't really work that way. It's all based on these alleles. Well, her alleles were so rare and in such a rare order that it actually became of a benefit because someone that matched up all six alleles that unfortunately lost their life in an accident, they were able to di- donate their kidney to my wife only nine days after she went on the list. Wow. Which normally, it's an 18-month to, to three-year process. Yeah. Well, so we're just, you know, as we say, blessed and highly favored. and We're just so wonderfully, you know, we're excited about that and she was able to do that. And, you know, her goal every day is just to be the best that she possibly could be based on those things she's got involved in, in crocheting she's got involved in korean cooking that's been something that big mm, i
0: love korean and, cooking
1: oh my God. i'm telling you what she puts the, some meals together that you know we i always comment i'm like this is a hundred dollar meal yeah and mm-hmm. you know, we've got tabaki and we've got gimbop and we've got uh you know the army stew and all kinds of and just about every week multiple times a week and but you know that means i have to listen to kate Oh. Well it's it's just flowing flowing to our house. But it's one of those things where I just go, It's okay. Yeah. But it, we take it all in stride. We take it all
0: in <laughs> You know, it's funny. This is a total squirrel, but when I think about it, you're I thought about you a lot when I decided to do stand up. And Is that right? Yeah. And and you know, I, I really I resisted it. For a long time, because they wanted me to do it at work when I was at Ooh. Maple Products, and I resisted it. And when I finally gave into it, I always thought, "Man, Drew would like this." And yeah. and, and I I was I was always thinking, "Yeah, I, I I think he'd probably dig this act." And and that's cool. I so some someday I'll get back into Indiana and maybe do a show. But oh, I love that. I uh I I kind of walked away from it mostly for a couple of years when we moved down here and Mm -hmm. now I'm trying to get back in and I still have to prove to all the comics that I'm I'm an okay boomer (laughs)
1: not not a great one by any means but I'm at least okay well that's wonderful you know it's kind of interesting you say that and first off I'm I'm humbled that you said that 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 makes me feel good as I've seen you get involved in Stand up comedy. I've told my wife a few times. I'm like, I think I want to try that out sometime. And as as weird as it sounds, I'm one of those people that jumps into everything with both feet. I don't yeah. really ever, I don't. I rarely get scared, quote, quote unquote, to try anything. Yeah. But that's something that kind of gives me a little pause. And it's like, I'm not even sure I could do a five minute set because I feel like I can be funny, kind of spur of the moment. And I'm like, oh, that was pretty funny, you know. And I'm thinking, okay, if I have to stand up and have an organized list in my head and go through that, I'm not sure I'd have the cadences or the timing to do it just right. But I think it's one of those things that you just got to jump in and do it trial by fire a little bit. I think I need to do that one of these days. I think of
0: anybody, I think you should. And the, the one thing I learned from doing Behind the Bits for so long is people, everybody does it different. You know, some people write stuff word for word. You know, I'm I'm a person who writes everything word for word, but I don't like I don't shackle myself to it. So it's it, it'll change, but I I have to put the ideas on the page and try to find out where the funny stuff is. But then once I get on stage, and you know, I change order and just I'll fill in stuff just based on what kind of night it is or stuff like that. But the thing, I mean, if you I think if you went up with like five bullet points, you could probably improv your ways through through those pretty good and the thing thing about open mics is there there's no such thing as anybody doing great at an open mic i mean the the comics that have been doing it for a while they're just working out new stuff so it's the first time you ever heard it and then you get the people who are there on a dare they lost a bet or something like that and (laughs) And, and they're, they're just getting through it, but there's no judgment. I've, I've never been a, well, I was at one in Nashville one time where I felt like they were pretty judgy, but other than that, I've never been the one where any, anybody's judgy or as long as you, as long as you don't do hate speech or stuff like that, you're you're good to go. So I, yeah, if, if if you were to try it once, I think it would probably hit you like karaoke did and you'd be wanting to do it a lot.
1: I was thinking the exact same thing because yeah. the way I got started in karaoke was that Randy DeClean, we are talking about him earlier, said, let's go to Frank's place over in South Bend yeah. and have a beverage. They have karaoke there. And I'm uh, like, I wouldn't ever do that. What fool in their right mind would do <laughs> And we got there and he did Sweet Child of Mine. And it was brutal. I bet. Oh, but and it was brutal on purpose. Like he's like, I know I I don't sing really well. Yeah. but he tried to he tried to mimic Axl Rose while he was singing it and it yeah. was so bad, but it was so funny. And I thought, I can do that too. And so I went up and sang and I got the bug. I mean, I was hooked like from the very first time and I'm like, ah, this is great. And so yeah, maybe that's what I need to do and, and with stand up is just go out there and jump in with both feet, try it out and see what happens. I, I kind of was picturing myself here at one point, you know, who who would I be like? I wouldn't be, I don't think I'd be like a Bill Burger. I I don't think, I, I love Bob Zaney. I always loved Bob Zaney. I, I absolutely love Bob. Oh, my gosh, one of my favorite comics. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Of course, there's, you know, Norm McDonald, but who could ever be as good as him, you know? Yeah. Like, well, I don't know. I don't really know how I would model myself, but maybe just go out there, swing the bat, and see what happens
0: you know, I uh, I uh, lost a opportunity to open for Bob Zane and Elkhart. Oh. and so I it was five star dive bar when they were in their old like location, I think. No, it was a new location. It was they just opened a new location. I see. And they their opener didn't show and Lisa was flying in from she might have been flying in from dc or something or although it, it was a work trip and so there was two shows so i had talked to the guy that was booking him prior to zany coming in and he messaged me and he said do you want to open for zany for two shows but lisa wasn't going to get in until after the last show or after the first show and then we were going to go to the second show and so we went to so I, I just said I can't do it and I went to the second show and the guy that opened for him was just awful. Oh I mean no. the worst. And and I'm like, Oh man. Wow. At least Lisa said I should have just went, but I it, I didn't with her flying in, I think I had to <laughs> run from the airport or something. And it was South Bend. So South Bend, Alcart and all that. So yeah, I didn't get to do that. But I've talked to him a couple times on the podcast and he's mm-hmm. He's he's a he's a neat guy. He definitely one of my
1: faves. Oh man, I just I'll never forget watching him when I was a kid. I'm, he was on MTV before I ever saw him live, and he did this shtick where he said, "Some of you think my real name is Bob Zaney, but well, it's not. It's Big Dick McGee." Yeah. <laughs> and then and then later in the in the show, you know, he he just did a short bit on this MTV thing, and he mm-hmm. later he goes. He goes up. He goes. One of my my saddest memories. My last my last memories of of my mother was when she looked at me and said, "Big Dick, put the gun down." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just oh, yeah, full guys. He's still so great.
0: And, and what he used to do, to the audience, you know, explaining the jokes and yes. always, always picking on somebody. That yes. uh, he. He, he's great he's he's mostly in vegas now so he oh is he he and his wife live in vegas so he's mostly there but he does travel once in a while but yeah. he's he started a new comedy game show there in vegas I think so oh that would be great yeah but yeah he's he's definitely one well man i, I i've really had fun catching up really? I, i'm gonna have to reach out a little bit more than than just uh, for the podcast but Honestly, one, 90 to ninety one, and then the whole time we were hanging out. Some yeah, of the best times. Early of, to mid two thousand of remember. my life. Yeah, yeah. That well, was, I appreciate that. that.
1: That was definitely a lot of fun. Yeah, I. Had a lot of fun.
0: I, I, I still, I, I still look
1: look back on that, and I just laugh every time I think about it. Oh, <laughs> Wonderful memories. My wife even says you're you're talking a biggie handcuff man, aren't you? <laughs> oh yeah. I have family in Huntsville, actually. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah. My uncle, Rusty, and my okay. aunt Elaine. They live, well, they live in Huntsville part of the year now. They live in Florida for the other part of the year, but she was retired, retired from NASA. There. Yeah. So, and then my, my, my uh, cousins, I have two cousins that live there still with their kids. So, excellent. Yeah. It's, it's a neat, it's a neat town.
0: And yeah, it, it's funny how many people, because we're, we're kind of in it it's, They're townhouses, but they treat them like condos. So we don't have to do anything on the outside and all that kind of stuff. But the guy that's next door to me, we have a cigar once in a while, but he is here for the summer months, and then he goes to Orange Beach for winter months. And I just just think it's funny that this isn't south enough for people. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that wild? Because I... Right now, it's I mean it's forty seven right now, but it, it there's no snow. So, and if there is snow, it melts in an hour. So, right, yeah. So, I I just think it's funny that yeah, this is still too cold. That's just so funny to me. It breaks me up. <laughs> yeah. oh man, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it was great talking to you. And you know, if nothing else, I have this documented. I can I can listen back and and say yeah, I talked to Drew. Second day of 2024.
1: Woohoo! <laughs> Absolutely. And if I get down to Huntsville, I'm going to come see you and do some stand up.
0: Yes, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Thanks for doing this.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Yeah.